Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 12, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 53, the second paragraph, which begins with, When We Became Alcoholics. We will read through three paragraphs ending on page 54. The first paragraph read will be for context only. The second and third paragraphs read will be the ones on which we will share. They begin with arrived at this point and end with faith had been involved all the time. Today's readers are Kathy F., Cecilia H., Craig F., Lisa B., and Mary B. Our newcomer greeter is Shannon B. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, June 11th, 2017's special edition meeting is 10030. 10030. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, this is Kathy F., a compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
8, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Kathy S. I will now ask Cecilia H., to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning. This is Cecilia H. from Pittsburgh. Here are the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Cecilia H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 53, the second paragraph, which begins with, When We Became Alcoholics. We will read through three paragraphs, ending on page 54. The first paragraph read will be for context only. The second and third paragraphs read will be the ones on which we will share. They begin with, arrived at this point, and end with, faith had been involved all the time. I will now ask Craig F. to start us off. Good morning, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can I be heard? I hear you, Craig F. Great, here we go. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason towards the desired shore of faith. The outlines of the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out and welcomed. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we'd been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural. But let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did not we believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all um, I, I love the way that uh, Bill uses um, uh, visual imagery uh, so many times throughout this throughout his writings and and uh, the the image of the of having crossed uh, a, a long bridge on the on the way to the to the shore of faith, um, but that we couldn't quite step ashore. Uh, it, it catches my eye to begin with. Um, and, you know, I I have, uh, had spent time in the hospital last year with an infection in my legs, and, I, and between that and, and the weight that I, I carry, I um, ended up having to use a walker to get around, and, and I still use it some. And uh, the fact is that uh, when I get to work, I, I find myself carrying it into the office with me um, because I'm afraid that I won't be able to walk back to my vehicle at the end of the day. Now, in, in some ways, that's kind of crazy, but um, that, that uh, I, I don't. It's not that I need the walker; it's that I'm afraid uh, to let go of it. Uh, uh, it. It's a short trip, and 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 it's like 
to me, it's the same thing. Um, we, uh, we've crossed this bridge, but taking the action to step ashore, you know, uh, to, to let go of, to let go of the one crutch, the crutch of reason and accept the, the crutch of faith, uh, is, uh, it, it's scary. There, there is a fear involved there. Um, so he's trying to tell us that, uh, we've already been relying on a type of faith, uh, uh faith in that reason that, that it's okay. It's going to be all right. You know, and, and that's another thing that, that it's important to, to, to know. And that is that, that we serve one another so often, uh, without knowing it by demonstrating, uh, our, our faith by saying, uh, I trusted God with my food and, uh, and it worked out. I trusted God with, uh, my relationships, it, it, it worked out and to, it gives people courage. It gives people courage that are not yet to that point that haven't let go. Uh, and, and so, uh, he's telling us it's going to be all right. Let go that, uh, you've already been re- relying in faith on something. Try, try faith in this God and, uh, it's going to be all right. You'll, you'll get back to your truck tonight. And, uh, so um i'm uh, uh i'm i'm impressed with i'm impressed with the language i'm impressed with the idea of faith but i'm also impressed with the uh with the knowledge that it's that it's time to it's time to move into action here almost you know he spent the entire chapter he spent this entire chapter talking about um and of course it's titled we agnostics but it's the only chapter on step 2 and and he could have spent the entire chapter talking about the insanity. He, but I think we covered that well enough in the step one chapters. And uh, we could have spent the entire chapter looking at uh, what being uh, restored to sanity into to sanity looks like. But he spent it talking about uh, faith. He spent it talking about having uh, faith in this higher power, uh, a higher power, and and. Uh, the necessity to let go of uh, logic and reason as our God. And uh, it, it's not its not sufficient anyway, the logic and reason. Um, but this God is, and uh, uh, it, it is. And, and so those of us that are ashore need to reach out those hands, it says, and uh, uh, tell people it's okay, step ashore, uh, that uh, you can let go of those things. And, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig S. Who would like to share Matt on this? Matt M. Katie G. Katie G. from Boston. A. Matt M. Katie G. Renata. Renata. Okay, I have Sally A., Matt M., Katie G., and Renata. Did I miss anyone? Okay, Sally A, go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca. It's Sally A. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here. I really just want to be brief and say one small thing about this sentence. Um, Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. And as I look at this, it's very, I have very different eyes as I read this today than I did even last year. 
And what I see is a balance. I feel in my heart that so much of what we're being asked to do here is to bring about this balance. Yes, we do have to use our mind. We are here for a reason, listening and learning and finding out more and more about our disease, which we need to do. But ultimately, we cannot extract ourselves from this disease by ourselves. And what it requires is cooperation with our higher power, a willingness, a letting go of defiance. And for me, it's, I, I hate to even bring up the word defiance, but the truth of the matter is for me is this is really a disease of being in control, control of everything and everyone except me and the food. And so when I re- read these words, bridge of reason, I started with a, with a reasoning, trying to understand, trying to fix this thing. But ultimately what I've learned is it's a letting go and letting God letting God help me, letting the herd help me, the herd that's spoken of on page 569. We need each other. I've talked about being connected to God and to others, but we need each other, and we, we need to cooperate with God and ask God today, what do I need to do differently today to get well? Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Matt M., you're next. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsory eater over here in New Jersey. You know, but somehow we couldn't quite set the shore. Perhaps we have been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. I don't know about you. For me, this meant that I had to throw away some lifelong conceptions, one, that I was the master of my own destiny, and two, that if God wasn't there for me in the first place, so why bother believing in a God of my own understanding? He wasn't there in the beginning. Why is he? Why would he be there now? And I had to throw those beliefs out the window because for me to get to get to that desired shore of faith, I have to take a leap of faith, and that's really not. Sometimes it's still hard for me to swallow, but I'm getting there day by day. I'm getting closer and closer to that leap of faith, and I'm getting better because my mind is starting to clear, and I'm starting to think of others more than myself. I'm being more other centered. And faith, faith for me means that I have to believe that there is going to be something on the other side of that shore. There's going to be a hand to outstretch, to reach to me, and to help pull me ashore. I'm not alone with this. You know, as someone mentioned, it's a herd. You know, I'm part of one. I'm just another can of the sardines. But that doesn't mean I'm alone. I have tons of people I can call. I have a whole life that I call my God squad. I call to do 10 steps to talk about with, to pray with. And I have a sponsor that helps me work through, this, work through the steps on a daily basis. It's not just, all oh, I go through the 12 steps and that's it. It's a daily reprieve I get based on what I do, the work I do for the day. It's like, I need, it's like a job. I have to put the work in. If I don't put the work in, I don't get any results, you know. I have to work at it constantly. It's not something I can just, oh, I'll just let it happen. It's something that, uh, willy-nilly. It has to happen based on one of the work I put in. So I'm just grateful that... Um, Today, I have the willingness to work the program and, and keep like, get out of my own way and just help others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Matt M. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. May I be heard? Yes, Katie G. Hello. Hello. Katie G. Recovered, compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic. So grateful um, to be here. Yeah, so um, we are... 
um, looking at this first paragraph, right, that talks about what is our choice to be, right? Like God is either everything or he is nothing, right? And, um, and what I love is it gets me. It says, you know what, like even if, KDG, you haven't been believing in God, even if you think that, you know, there is no faith and you're this completely, you know, above God kind of person. Guess what, KDG? You've been worshiping. You've been faithful. And I love that. I mean, the coolest thing about this book is it, um, it keeps including me. It keeps saying, like, because I'm somebody who's like, I'm terminally unique, right? Like, I'm like, no, this might apply to you. But there is no God for me. Like the things that KDG from Boston did, there is no God for me, for me rather. And um, and I just love it. It's like, okay, well, you don't want to talk about this proposition. We got to show you, like, have you, haven't you been worshiping in the God of reason? And like, yeah, KDG, the power of the mind. Like I, reason is explaining why something is the way it is. And I I don't know. I, I felt my whole, I spent my whole life looking at reason and saying, I've got to understand what's going on. I have to know what's going on. And, and the shift that's happening for me now, you know, as I continue to live one day at a time in entire absence and working the steps, is that I don't have to know why. Like, why is a management question? And I spent all this time in the disease saying, oh, poor me, you know, and what I think is so interesting is that it doesn't talk about we are crushed by a food-imposed crisis. It doesn't say an alcoholic-imposed crisis. It talks about a self-imposed crisis, KDG. You are the problem. Your mind is the problem. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, mind is a problem, right? And so for me today, the shift that, that, that is happening for me that you guys are all providing for me is that one day at a time, I don't have to know why, and that's what that reason is. Like, I need to know why. I don't have to know why. I know I have intuition today that tells me even if I don't know what I have to do, as somebody so beautifully shared yesterday, I know what I'm not to do today. I have a plan of action today of entire abstinence and working the steps. And ultimately, like this book, like this second step, like this chapter, God gets us. God will get us, but it's not me getting God, right? Like God's too big for my brain. So I got to admit, like, I can't do it. I've been acting like there's a God. I'm not God. And I got to keep moving forward because the way to get faith, and I'll just close with this, the way to get faith is to keep moving forward with the steps and see, like, I can look at the my past now and see when I acted in blind faith, not knowing why, the things that came to me when I placed myself in God's hands, better than I can imagine. So I'm doing it with you shoulder to shoulder today, one more day. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Renata G, I believe, correct? Yes, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G, recovered compulsive reader, calling from Istanbul. And I want to share on, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. And, you know, without uh, taking step one, right, without really seeing and admitting my powerlessness, I realized that my faith was always on myself, and that never worked. And uh, so the book is trying to show us that we all have a capacity for faith, but in step two, you know, I need to put my faith in a power greater than myself because up until now, putting it uh, on me didn't work. 
And so, you know, it talks about reason. And what came up for me was that, you know, I can use my reason, which is, I believe, a God-given gift to, to do the footwork, to do my part, you know. Um, but the outcome, uh, recovery, that comes from my higher power. Because reason by itself was never enough to get me out of this disease. And, um, you know, as we saw in previous pages, I mean, for me, it's so clear today. Like, if I put my faith and my reason and my will, my uh, power, then I'm going to live in page 52 in the bedevilments. That's going to be my reality because that has been my reality whenever I trust myself. And if I put my faith on a power greater than myself and work the steps absently, then, you know, I get what says in, in page 50, you know, a life of um, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction, you know, that I never had before. So if I um, make a decision to continue with the steps, you know, believing that maybe this power will help me, everything changes. And I had to be powerless first to really concede to that, but that I passed, thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Tina S. Tina S. Don't all jump at once. Anybody else? Melissa Oh, okay. I think I heard Melissa C. Yeah. And did I hear more? Barbara E. Oh, Barbara E. Great. Lauren and Lauren N. West T. West T. I have Tina F, Melissa C, Barbara E, Lauren N, and West T. Did I miss anyone? Okay. Laura H. Laura H, I gotcha. Okay, we'll go with the Six of you, Tina S., go right ahead. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow. Fabulous paragraphs, you know, and I'm really grateful for the shares. I'm, I'm on board, too. You know, I can really relate, and that's why I keep coming back. And, and I like this, arrived at this point. You know, we were squarely confronted with a question. You know, and, and the good news for me is that it, that it says we were grateful that reason had brought us so far. You know, I'm grateful for that. You know, and, uh, you know, I had done everything my way for so very long, but it only got me to a certain point. And then it didn't work anymore. And then over and over and over, I continued to try, and I was continually defeated. You know, so it brought me so far, but, but it could, I couldn't quite step ashore. You know, I couldn't quite step ashore. You know, and so what happened for me is I had to be beaten to a state of reasonableness that I would believe that something bigger than me could take me to a place that I've never been before. You know, and uh, until I could get to that place of just being willing, you know, I didn't have to believe in anything. I had to just be willing to. Because in, in the second step, it says came to believe. It doesn't say that I got to believe in nothing. It just says that I have to come to believe. And that in and of itself is a process that I went through, and I'm so grateful that I did. You know, and I'll just say this and then shut up. But, you know, I came here um, having 
uh, an idea of a god from my religion, which, you know, some people have that and God bless them. But it didn't work for me because I, it made me shortchange myself. My God was not big enough. You know, I needed a God that was bigger than that to deal with this thing that was inside me. And, and, I, and I came to believe in that through the process of the 12 steps. And, uh, and today, one day at a time, I live free from the bondage of self when I continue to do the deal. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Am I able to be heard? I hear you, Melissa C. Good morning. Okay, okay, great. Good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I think about faith, and it's a complete trust. And so I had faith, you know, it was, it, um, I thought I didn't, but obviously I did because I had extreme and complete confidence um, in belief in lots of things. The problem was they were ineffective, you know, or, or they were effective in very small areas and not in everything. And um, so, you know, and the other thing is, is that bridge, the idea. The, the visual of a bridge, you know, is is attaching two things to one another. It's, yes, we're leaving one part behind, but, um, you know, there is still an, an attachment. And so the concept of reason, of, of applying reason, um, we don't, I didn't need to abandon that completely. I needed to open up my eyes and see that it was no longer reasonable <laughs> to have faith in me, you know, to have faith in a diet, to have faith in um, things, objects that, you know, were somehow going to save me. And so I needed to have an entirely new approach to what was reasonable and um, and begin to have faith in something else. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before, but there really is an incredible beauty in the old way failing and knowing above, you know, a shadow of a doubt that it's no longer working. And so desperation is quite powerful because it told me, um, you know what, the shore that you're coming from, you know, this bridge you're across, that shore is no longer good for you. It's not working. So, you know, for me, it just made sense to take that final leap. And, um, and apply that idea of reason and faith in something new. And and the beauty was I saw people in whom the problem had been solved, and all of them spoke about a relationship with a power greater than themselves. And um, and so it became reasonable to try what they did, and it worked. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Barbara E. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. I love. I, may I be heard? I hear you, Barbara E. Oh, good. I love the illusion too of the bridge. I even drew it on my sheet here, and I picture one of those little old-fashioned cars that you have to get out of and crank up in the front. And some days I feel like cranking up the front of the car so it can make it up this steep bridge. For me, it's steep. 
and leave the the first area where I am in control and I'm angry and irritable and I have justifiable anger and fear and I'm mean-spirited and just make it up to the summit of the bridge having love and faith and getting to the other side where there's acceptance, tolerance, calmness and kindness. And for me, yesterday was an example of how ephemeral it is It comes and it goes. I lost faith yesterday and picked up all my defects of character. It was a silly day where my husband and I had an argument over what we should take out for dinner the next day. How silly is that? Uh, He's such a loving, kind man. But that's because my car was not getting up over the bridge. I was not willing to crank it up. I have to recognize that there's so much goodness and love. This is a bridge of love for me. There's so much love if I can make it across that bridge to a consistent leap of faith. I have faith that comes and goes. I want it to come and stay And that's why I go on these meetings every single day, and Saturday is a vast wasteland. Fortunately, I have two face-to-face meetings that are awesome to go to, but I rely on the vision for you wisdom that I hear on a daily basis and the special editions, bedevilments, the week before, awesome. All of you, awesome. I thank you all for being here. I hope today I'll keep that car cranked and make it over the bridge one day at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara E. Lauren N. Hi, it's Lauren N. Can you hear me? Hi, Lauren N. Hear you loud and clear. Oh, great! Thanks. Um, um, as someone said earlier, I had faith. I had faith in me. I had faith in my power to do it all. I had faith in my power to avoid food. I had faith in my power to not eat. I had faith in myself when I really needed to have faith in others and in God and in everyone around me and be willing to be vulnerable because when I'm not vulnerable, I am holding on with my fingernails to reality or sometimes not even. This, these writings and this this program has been the best thing that's ever come my way because I'm able to get out of my own head and not think that I can control everything. Boy, can I not control anything. And when I get to really down to brass tacks that I understand that and am able to hold on to that. I'm healthy. When I don't, I'm not. 
um, this weekend, Saturday, was really hard for me because I let myself believe that I was in control and that I had complete ability to help myself when really I can't help myself out of a paper bag. I get to realize that I am totally powerless over everything. And I need you guys every day, all the time, to remind me that it's not about me. Food is not my, was my master for so many years and is no longer. And as soon as I pick up something that is not good for me or, or, or behavior that is not good for me, my head goes bonkers. And I get to remember how that feels every minute of every day so that I can hold on so tight to you guys. With that, I pass. Thanks, Lauren N. West T. Good morning, everyone. West T, compulsive overeater in the Shenandoah Valley. Am I being heard? Yes, West T. Good morning. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I remember first reading this chapter, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm a believer. I, you know, it's okay." And um, you know, as I've gotten older, I realized that my reading comprehension isn't uh, has never been that good, and uh, so I need to reread and reread. And as I do, um, you know, I learn so much more. And uh, you know. I remember coming into OA in 1990 and having a pink cloud and losing all the weight. Uh, and now uh, in 2015, after a bad accident and uh, spending over a year in hospital and nursing and rehab, uh, I came out, uh, came back out and then got back into OA. Uh, and, you know, it's like pink cloud too. But this time I have some, some, some wisdom let me express that using humility and you know i can just realize i realize and enable and am able to self-assess a little better and it's been real easy to see in the last several weeks that something has been taking me away from god and it was, it's this time it's really easy to see this is this is problem my drama free zone has been penetrated uh, by something that's going on in my life and I'm grateful that you know I have enough fit spiritual condition to realize that and to ask God for help and to go to some extra meetings and you know that I never even considered picking up and I was one of those two that always wanted to figure out why, why, why. In the 12 and 12, where it's, you know, in step three, where it says, you know, we don't know how electricity works. Or most people don't, you know, I know how electricity works because I'm, I'm an electronics nut, you know. <laughs> so, and it just got me into trouble, you know. And 
finally a sponsor in the 90s said to me, you know, always figuring out why was the booby prize. Figuring out why is the booby prize, the real prize is uh, lies elsewhere. And uh, I know where that is today. Thanks to this book. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Wes T. Laura H. Good morning. Good morning. This is Laura H. from Chicago. Can I be heard? I hear you, Laura H. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Wow, powerful, powerful paragraphs this morning. So grateful to have a place to come to each and every day as we begin our morning. What, what's standing out for me today, um, I'm, I'm amazed uh, when they talk about, the per, you know, I feel like the big book is God-inspired for sure. And the writing says, you know, the outlines and the promise of the new land. And here I come into the program beaten. I have no place left to go. Had brought luster to our tired eyes and fresh courage. You know, as a person being of this earth, 300 plus pounds, divorced, raising kids alone, um, beaten down, feeling invisible, feeling unlovable, feeling no one understands. When I came into these rooms, it goes on to describe, you know, being welcomed. And that's how it felt. For the first time in my life, I felt that I connected. Now, it didn't happen right away because for me, you know, when you're that uh, far gone in your disease, and my disease, boy, it came to rob my life, and it, it got out of control real fast, and I could not stop binging. I could not put the food down. And just seeing all the faces when I would walk into the rooms, and, you know, being aware that in them I saw, I saw my, I guess I, for me, their twinkle in their eye, their clear-headedness, their honest shares, um, listening to Vision for You, all of you describing as you apply this to your life was amazing to me. And then it goes on to say, and I love this, you know, the persuasive here. You know, you, I know, you know they're trying to say to the agnostic person, you have been working through faith. I, there's some sort of faith there. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of gentle for me. And then it's going on to describe how, wow, you had this God of reason. So in one way or another, the faith had, you had been involved with faith all the time. So not to feel so bad because as an addict, all I ever did was beat myself up. And so I'm very grateful that we have this message today, this loving, kind message. But at the same time, it's very clear. You know, step two you know, are you willing to give it all to something other than yourself? And there, I have to do that with all parts of my life, my finances, my relationships, my children, my grandchildren, everything. And that's hard to let go. But I have to trust, at least for me, at least for me. And each day I wake up and ask God to lead me and guide me in my day and in my thinking and help me to be of service to others. And for the first time in a long time, I can somewhat hear him. Uh, and sometimes I'm blocked, you know, sometimes I get blocked. Uh, the other day I was angry and I was lashing out like it's driving. And so I knew, oh, there's something going on here. And uh, thank God for the program. Thank God for all of you. With that, I pass. 
Thank you, Laura H. Are there a couple of other people who would like to share before this hour closes? On the AMP, Laura P. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I heard two people, I think. So one was, there's only room for two. So I heard Ann P., and I think I heard a voice before Ann P. Do you know who you are? Nessa R. Okay, I heard Nessa R. There might have been two people, but we'll go with Nessa R. and Ann P. Go right ahead, Nessa R. Oh, thank you. Um, good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I was raised to believe that I should be able to fix my own problems. The, the problem is how can I solve my own problems when I'm the one who created my problems? And, you know, if, if my best thinking got me into this, how can my best thinking get me out? Um, my best thinking got me into an almost 200-pound body on a very petite frame. My best thinking got me into bulldozing my way through my loved one's lives, trying to push the values that I, I wanted to live by, you know, thinking thinking that everybody would be much better off and how could this not be God's will? And so my best thinking got me to uh, not quite destroy, but really jeopardize the relationships that were most precious to me. So, you know, um, my best thinking got me to behave in ways that led me to lose promotions and eventually lose jobs. And, you know, so how can my best thinking get me out? Like it, just, it just doesn't make sense. And yet, I continued trying that for years and years and years, and I spent countless hours and so much money, you know, going from diet program to diet program, from therapist to therapist, from nutritionist to nutritionist, you know, and my best thinking did not fix my problems. My best thinking did not, um, <clears throat> so it did not get me out of this situation. You know, it's, it's like the, the uh, reference to quicksand on, on, uh, on, on page eight of Bill's story. You know, I cannot get myself out of quicksand. And the more I try to make my, get myself out of quicksand, the more I think. And that was definitely my experience. You know, so I had to be willing to try something different. You know, and that something different was, you know, to let somebody else take control of my life to begin with because, you know, the truth is I was never in control of my life. I was never in control of anything. You know, God controls everything, and so I just had to, you know, stop um, trying and, and just let God do what he was going to do anyway. Um, once I accepted that and I said, okay, I'm just going to do what I'm told to do, instead of trying to use my best thinking, um, you know, things really started to shape up. You know, I'm just going to let my sponsor tell me what my food plan is going to eat, be. I'm going to tell my, let my sponsor tell me, you know, how to unblock myself from, from the solution that it is God um, and let my sponsor dictate 
um, how and where and when I'm going to work this beautiful program. Um, and so, you know, once I did that, really recovery ensued, but I had to be willing to recognize that I don't have the power. It is not up to me to solve my problems because I'm the creator of my problems. But you know what? God can solve my problems, and he did, and he continues to do that as long as I remain unblocked by continuing to um, do today what I did yesterday, which is, you know, work the 12 steps of OA in entire abstinence, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Ann P. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, good morning, Ann P. Good morning. Um, this is Ann P. I'm a compulsive overeater from Von Orr, Tennessee, and this is the first time I'm speaking here. Uh, I'm nervous, and if I babble, my apologies ahead of time. Uh, I've been in and out of OA for many, many years and never, ever achieved abstinence. I am finding that I am crossing that bridge, but I am afraid to step ashore. I had a really unsettling dream last night about my husband, and he was no longer in the picture for whatever reason. I was back in Chicago, my hometown, looking for apartments. And I woke up this morning very unsettled because it felt very real to me. And when I heard this topic, I realized that um, God's will and letting go is becoming too real for me. And I say that because I have thought about leaving my husband. I have put a list together of what I needed to do when I left him. I don't know whether it's our relationship or my unhappiness, but for whatever reason, that has been there. However, I was thinking that, you know, with this dream, if it was something, if it is God's will to to leave and start my life over alone, I'm unsettled because as long as it's God's will and I'm aligned with it, I'm okay with it. But if it's something that I don't want, I'm not okay with it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm scared. I'm scared that there are certain things working in my life that I know is God's will but I don't want other things in my life to happen until I'm ready. And I don't know, I just, I'm very scared right now. Um, I have stepped ashore for other things in my life. I was in another call program, and I completely trusted God's will because I was backed into a corner. Right now I'm willing to give up my food to him and other things in my life, but not in totality yet. And I can't say that third step prayer yet because I'm afraid if I say it, things will happen. And I'm not ready for it yet. I'm working with a sponsor, and I'm on this call every morning, listening and listening and taking it in. And I guess that's all I have to share this morning. Thank you for listening. And I pass. Thank you, Auntie. I'm glad you spoke up. 
So I got a little mixed up between when you moderate the second hour, the meeting ends at 10 before the hour, and this meeting, which goes till 5 before the hour. So is there one more person who would like to share? Linda D. Linda L? I heard Linda D. We'll take Linda D. Good morning. I'm Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm totally thrilled to be here. This is a life-saving program. And uh, I'm uh, recovered. uh, It's awesome. For four and a half years. And I say that because uh, I was a dead and dying creature. And when I came into this program, the last thing you could ask me was the first thing you asked, to trust God. Um, To me, it sounded like a phrase that has come into my uh, awareness lately. It sounded too good to be true. My life was shattered. I was in psych wards for anxiety and depression. Um, I had nothing. And um, you wouldn't recognize me if you saw me today. And that's the grace of God. I was an atheist, and I'm, I wasn't proud of that, but I could not find God. And I did what it says in that chapter. I carried the book with me. Of course I did the steps. Of course I was doing that, okay? And I took that chapter uh, like a handbook, and I followed that like the broken uh, piece of glass that I felt like. I followed that inch by inch, day by day. I can really identify with the last person. That's exactly the way I felt. How am I going to trust this? Because faith is a kind of a flimsy word. We're talking about trust, and I'm an addict. I don't trust nothing, anything, excuse me. So what happens is this presence, this energy, this being, however you conceive this idea of a higher power, it shows up. It's not like I'm trusting the air. But believe you me, when I started and I would pray, I thought I was talking to the air. Oh, boy, this isn't going to work. But this does work day after day. So why am I here four and a half years later? I should sail off into the sunset because I have no idea what I'm supposed to learn today. And it isn't going to come through reason. I'm going to use that. That's a wonderful tool. And it's like refusing GPS just because I have a a map in the car. Why would I want to do it the hard way? So most days I figure, I think I'll listen to God. That's the tiny voice inside, the one that's under all the craziness. And I am eternally grateful and awed by this program because it truly, truly works. I pass. Thanks, Linda D. With one minute left, it's Rebecca F. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'd just like to point out before we end this hour about that sentence, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. And the definition of abjectly that I found when I Googled it is utterly hopeless, miserable, humiliating, wretched, contemptible, despicable, and base-spirited. 
And I can identify, you know, those sound like the devilments to me. And so what I was believing in, my faith was in the God of reason, and it was uh, the deviled faith. Um, and by the grace of my my new higher, or the higher power that was always there that I wasn't in touch with before, um, that objective faith has been lifted and now I feel I have a true faith and it's from working these steps. And with that, I pass. And now we come to the part of the meeting where we close. So I want to thank everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, June 12, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10032. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggested only to the end of the page. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Excuse me. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.